Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hello, guys, and welcome to a special episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. This episode, we're talking all the deals that went down on deadline day. And with me, as ever, is a man who is the Fabrizio Romano to my here we go, Lewis. I quite like that one. I had to get it in. Oh, definitely. This, I want to say this week, we're talking to you guys for a second time this week. It's a record. Um, Today, we will be talking to you, as Billy said, about all the transfers on deadline day, specifically Bayern's last minute frenzy, as well as Manchester United finally doing something in the transfer window also a couple of unexpected transfers and arsenal loosening the purse strings should we just jump in with the most unexpected transfers i'd say you could probably boil that one down to justin clavert getting signed by rb leipzig yeah it came out of nowhere really because i i thought he was happy at roma i thought they were happy with him at roma and then all of a sudden it was Oh, hang on. They're looking at getting Stefan El Shirawe back from China, which in the end, I don't think happened. Yeah, it was... I mean, it's, I think it's a good one for Leipzig as well because, um, you know, losing Timo Werner, you've, got a, you've lost a lot of attacking power up front and Justin Klavert, if, you know, his performances at Roma are anything to go by, he's definitely a talent to, you know, maybe look at taking the next step. And I think... Leipzig and the Bundesliga would be a perfect opportunity for him to do that. And, you know, Leipzig, as I said, with, their, with the attacking power they've lost, he could maybe step in and fill that void. I know they're not the same position exactly, but nonetheless. Yeah, and I watched him when he played for Ajax. He played against United in the Europa League final in 2016. Oh, with a 17-year-old... Uh... Average age on that, yeah, with you know, 17 year old Donny van der Beek making his debut and (laughs) 16 year old Matisse Delict and all that. But he's comfortable wide left, which I think is one position that Leipzig don't really have an abundance of players in. But he's also comfortable through the middle at number 10. Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, I'd say the versatility of Klavert will be very, very useful for Leipzig, especially because, I mean, they haven't just lost Timo Werner in attack as well. They've also lost uh, Patrick Schick, um to Bayer Leverkusen during this transfer window. So it's, you know, they, they definitely are looking for some, uh, for some new players to take over, I'd say the goal scoring opportunities and give the team some attacking power again. Yeah, they did bring in Alexander Sorloff from Transispor. Remains to be seen how effective he will be, though. Yeah, he had a good goal-scoring record last season, but then again, it was Turkey. Exactly, it was a top five, top five league uh, debut for him. But I think Clivert's a 
it's a good signing. It's a, it's a loan move. There's probably an option to buy at the end of it. And you think yeah, he, you think sorry. he's going to give enough to make Leipzig trigger that option to buy? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't really unexpected that you have a loan option because I think most teams this transfer window were looking at loan options in general, and not just for the young players, but for players and uh, players of all ages, just because of the financial constraints of the pandemic. So. You know, a a loan option for Leipzig is was probably the most standard standard option they'd get. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said because most players that have famous fathers, because obviously his dad's Patrick Cliver, and I I don't know, I don't read a lot of Italian news, obviously, <laughs> but there's the one thing that never is there's never a comparison between the two. There's always like, oh, yeah, but his dad did it. What? So why can't he? He just seems to be his own player, which I think is actually quite nice. Especially actually, having, yeah. having left Ajax when he did. Yeah. Had he gone to a team that his, his dad had played for, then it would be a, a lot more prominent. But yeah, he, definitely. You know, sort of forging his own path and doing his own thing. And I, I genuinely think he'll be a really big success for Leipzig this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I think we don't need to say much more than that. It seems a pretty good uh, roundup of that. The next one, it's almost almost more unexpected than than Klavert going to Leipzig is Mario Götze signing for PSV Eindhoven. That to win the Champions League. <laughs> exactly. Of course, he was going to get a lot of, let's say, criticism online uh, when he announced that move because... He did give a lengthy article to uh, the German tabloid Bild around a couple weeks ago where he clearly said, I still have goals and I still want to win the Champions League. Yeah, of of course, he's going to shoot himself in the foot if he doesn't go to either Bayern or Liverpool because realistically speaking, those are the two clubs most, I mean, obviously before the start of the season, uh, most or who were the favorites to win the Champions League again? Eindhoven play the Europa play in the Europa League for one. But that's Remains the thing. I, I don't even think he's going to win the Dutch league. Yeah. Like, no offense to PSV, but you put your money on Ajax every day of the week. Or maybe Feyenoord Rotterdam, maybe. Yeah, but you think some of the players that PSV have had. You know they're not a bad team. Like they've had Memphis Depay in recent years. I was about to say that was a Zano. Depay was probably their most famous export of the last five to seven years. And we ruined him. <laughs> hey, he seems to have researched at Olympic Marseille, but I think people shouldn't criticize Gutsu too much because yeah, he might have said that those are his goals, but he really just needed to find some footing and you know find a club first. I Which think, I think he's done. Very, he's done it well because he's he's now got a club where he doesn't have to prove all that much. Yeah, and I I definitely think you can't say this isn't football uh, driven. Yeah, yeah. He's not doing this for a big payoff because if he was doing it for a payoff, he'd have moved to China or Qatar. Yeah, you know, he'd have done a shabby and gone to Al Assad. 
Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I th- I mean, he's also said that for him, the main focus is football. So he wants to go back, and that's his. That's all he was been thinking. All he's been thinking about. And I mean, he already took a massive pay cut when he went back to Dortmund, and he was very much willing to take an even uh, to to take another pay cut from his salary that he was making at Dortmund um, if it meant, you know, playing for a team like Hertha Berlin, which was very much a, uh, a, a hotly discussed uh, rumor when it came to Malo Götze. So I think I wouldn't slate him too much for going to Eindhoven. I just think he's, it's great that he's even found a club and, you know, he's back or he'll be back to playing on a, um, on a football pitch in, you know, a professional capacity and not, you know, an amateur one. I think he'll do well in Holland. And I think maybe we could see him back possibly in the Bundesliga. You never know. Hertha mm-hmm. might go back in for him if he has a decent season with PSV. Yeah, he's got a two-year contract there. See, it's difficult for me to try and slag him off in any way because I really love Mario Goetze. 2013-era Mario Goetze. Boah. I mean, it's sad to think of where he was at that point in his career and where he is now, seven years later. Yeah, but it's not his fault, really. Like You no, can't help no. having a, a muscle illness. I mean, that, that, that also. It's just the fact that I still think, you know, from his time at Bayern, he came to Bayern in circumstances that probably weren't the best, you know, coming from Dortmund, basically saying, you guys, I want to take the next step. And I just, I, I say it was a little bit of a, an unfortunate departure from Dortmund the first time around. And then the fact that just under Guardiola, he, you know, that, that was one of the main reasons he came to Bayern was because Guardiola was coaching Bayern and he wanted to work with the best manager in the world and the best manager in the world in the end ended up ruining him to a certain extent. So, I don't know. I mean, they, they can't all work out like Robert Lewandowski, can they, from Dortmund to Bayern? <laughs> you know, Matt, Matt you do have a point there. Matt Hummels. Matt Hummels did all right. He Would did you say that right. was a success, that one, Dortmund for Bayern? I, I'd say it was a success because he provided a lot of defensive stability to Bayern. And, he, and when Bayern were definitely in need of... Um, another top line, top of the line center back after they lost uh, Dante. I mean, Dante was when, you know, after 2014, really, he kind of dropped off uh, form wise. And then after that, Bayern sort of struggled to find a center back who could fill the hole or basically give them a nice solid back four. And I think Homitz did that before they obviously signed uh, Zule. And then they basically, you know, had the next generation. I'm genuinely surprised Bayern haven't tried to get Marco Royce. They have. Oh, well, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> uh, they have, as far as I know, they tried 20... They, there was a lot of talk of it happening 2014-15 that time around, but Royce, in comparison to the rest of his uh, Dortmund teammates, said, no, I'm going to stay loyal, which props to him. Enough of uh, Bayern. Let's talk some more transfers. Chris Smalling joining permanently or joining Roma permanently. What are we saying about that? 
interesting one that because we didn't sign a centre back. Yeah, exactly. That's that was one of that's the main the biggest, surprising ones. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest criticism. Other than Sancho, is not signing a centre half, and it's like okay, well, you've let go a centre back who really rediscovered his form from 2014. Yeah, like the, the yeah. best season I've watched him play when he played for Roma, and he got into the Tutor Sports Serie A team of the season. That's solid achievement. I, I don't know. He, he wanted to go. Clearly, he wanted to go. And the manager came out like three or four times and was like, I need Chris Smalling. I want Chris Smalling. I have to have Chris Smalling. <laughs> it's like, Christ, I never thought I'd hear anyone on, practically on their knees begging for Chris Smalling. But he, he was training alone. So I, 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 even if he had stayed, I genuinely don't think he'd have played. Yeah, yeah. Because... I, I get the training alone because we think he's going, but come on. A player who was that good last year, the defensive troubles we've had, even you'd, if you were Ollie, you'd bite the bullet and go, look, I know you want to go, but can you just, you know, please, until <laughs> you do. But he went in the end, it was a bit touch and go, but it went through with a minute to go. So what, uh, 6.59, English time. That is literally the definition of squeaky bum time. Yeah, because it shot at seven in Italy. Wow. I think stuff like that, it's a bit... It's difficult to say because I now, I now know he's going to go and have an absolute amazing season for Roma because they love him. Yeah, but that, yeah, that goes down to, you know, players reacting to the, their atmosphere and, you know, the, their surroundings. If... You've got managers that trust you, manager and you know fans that want you on the pitch, then you'll automatically perform a whole lot better than if you're with a team where everyone's got question marks surrounding you surrounding you as a player. It's you know it's part of the game really. I think the biggest issue the biggest issue of him leaving, not necessarily you know not from a managerial thing. I think United fans are spoiled almost in entitled brats because not not every centre-back you sign is going to be Vidic. Vidic or Rio Ferdinand not every winger you sign is going to be Ronaldo not every midfielder's Paul goals. so I think in that sense it's like oh well he's absolutely rubbish why is he playing for this club it's like to be fair he had his moments where he was rubbish but so does everyone yeah, you could go yeah. back in, you know, 2013, the Man United was absolute dog. <laughs> but I, you know, it'll be a really good player for Roma. And the current state of our back four, I'm actually kind of sad to see him go. I'm not going to lie. He probably could have revitalized her back four a little bit. Yeah. Especially looking at who you've bought. And I think that provides us a perfect segue with the, to the part of the episode where we can finally say Manchester United did something in the transfer window. They did something. Yay. You, so you signed Alex Tellez. That's the only one I'm kind of gassed about. Because don't lie. You're gassed about Cavani as well. Just d- don't even try and deny it after what you were putting into 
multiple group chats yesterday. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. That smiles as well. I kind of am, despite everything in my body telling me no. It's just going to be foul cow again, because <laughs> I was really gassed about foul cow as well. Because that was a deadline day as well. I woke up, it's like foul cow's on his way. Oh my god! And so how that turned out. Yeah, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> but I, but I, Alex I, Tellers, your back line. Oh. It does. It does look better now that you know you don't have the donkey in Luke Shaw running up your left-hand side. Oh, God, a video came out. I saw it yesterday. So, Sunday night. No, it's it's Wednesday today, isn't it? That's Tuesday. Oh, God, what am I doing? It's Tuesday. No, it's not. It's Wednesday. Don't lie to me. It's <laughs> Wednesday. Oh, God. Anyway, I saw it last night at time of recording, so Tuesday night. And it's the clip of Son's third goal mm-hmm. yeah it's third goal and it's the one with no crowd noise and you can hear that. so luke shaw goes he leaves the front post unmarked he goes to help harry Maguire. yeah you can hear david Hay going, no luke no luke no luke like don't leave the front post because that's obviously where all the space is and that's yeah. how they scored it's like oh i can't <laughs> i don't claim to be good at defending like anyone that's watched me play football knows that i can't play football full stop don't be too hard on yourself you, know, you at least know how to right kick away. a ball <laughs> don't disagree right away but we'll let the pause out later <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm looking forward to watching alex tellers play i mean yeah he's come from porto but then again the last player we signed from the portuguese league has done pretty well i was about to say he's probably your best player <laughs> I think the only the only question mark is whether he's as good one on one defending, marauding forward. He's great, but will he be exposed because he goes forward so much? Yeah, you don't want another Trent Alexander Arnold uh, situation cropping up where all of a sudden this season TAA has been exposed. And I'm all for it. But you see the promo pictures of him in the kit. He looks like an absolute psycho. And I'm all for it. Just put the fear of God in, you know, United's rivals and opponents. There's going to be a lot of red cards for him. I just know there's going to be some... It's going to be like watching Eric Bailly defend again. You heard it here first, guys. Alex Tellez, most red cards this season. (laughs) Probably. But I will say this, last thing on Alex Tellez. Don't get hyped or gassed over his goal scoring record because he takes Porto's penalties so he might have 40 episode. goals for Porto but how many of those are penalties he, he does score some ridiculous outside the box shots but 90% of his goals are from the spot and he won't be taking ours ah well someone who will hopefully be scoring more than Alex Tellez Edinson Cavani seamless link Oh, yeah. You can tell the journalistic uh, prowess here. <laughs> I am excited about this one. I, See, I, I'm, trying to remain, I'm trying to remain level-headed and be like, oh, yeah, well, it's a 33-year-old man on a free contract. I'm sorry, Lewandowski's 32. Exactly. It's like age isn't a massive thing in football anymore. Not as big as it was about 10 years ago. Anyway. But you, you see the videos he's posted on his socials. Like he's, he, he trains every day. 
He took up ballet for Christ's sake to stay. He's an insane. Yeah, he's an insane athlete. He's he is he is definitely on the level of you know athleticism that you know Lewandowski, Ibrahimovic, Ronaldo. They all possess. He is more than just a normal football player. He is an he's an insane athletic player. Exactly, and it's that almost obsession with athleticism and wanting to play at the top level that I think is going to do him really good. Mm. I don't want to criticise Rooney, but you look at what Waz is doing now in a a struggling derby side compared to what Edinson Cavani, you know, he's just signed for his words, not mine, one of the biggest teams in the world. I love signings. It's just puff pieces, isn't it? <laughs> just to fluff up the ego of every United fan. You could sign for Crystal Palace and it would be, oh, it's always been a dream of mine to play at Selhurst Park. And it's like, no, it hasn't. Don't lie. <laughs> yeah, but you have, to, you have to sell it to the fans. He's taken number seven as well, which is a bold shout. Especially because that was meant for Sancho. Don't. Still tender. Still tender topic? Well, I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit more tender for you. Latest news to come out from the Independent. Liverpool and Bayern have better chances to sign Sancho in the summer of 2021 than United do at this point. It's fine because by the summer of 2021, Mason Greenwood will be an absolute goal machine. So are you saying that basically the door on Sancho has now been indefinitely closed at Manchester United? We had a free run at him this summer. And... um, not much happened. Sort of, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna use the running metaphor again, our laces were tied together. <laughs> Oof, that is that is that is harsh. That this, is harsh. Yeah, this was the only year. I think the only team that probably could have gone against us this year was Chelsea. Because yeah, and Chelsea were too concentrated on uh, Havertz and um, Werner, but they hadn't spent that Eden Hazard money, so they were the only one really with proper funding yeah exactly but at the end of the, at the end of the day it's united united are always going to make money pandemic or not true i said it last episode you put a banker and a debt manager in charge of your transfers and it's, you're just not going to have a good time yeah yeah and people were saying like harry redknapp said on sky sports news like well why do they want sancho They've already got a player who's as good, if not better, in Marcus Rashford. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's the left side, our right side. Someone said it to me yesterday. Like one of my mates said it to me yesterday. Like, we've not replaced Nanny from 2014, let alone Ronaldo from 2009. It's hard to argue with that assessment. Like, you know, Nanny was good, but he wasn't amazing. And yet we've yeah. not replaced him. Maybe Mason yeah. Greenwood can become a right winger, but everyone at that club sees, sees his future at number nine. Yeah, yeah. And Anthony Martial's just got this, the centre-forward rollback. He won't go back out wide. And Dan James is a left midfielder, not a right winger. But we did sign a right winger <laughs> on deadline day, and I know nothing about either of these kids. <laughs> well, I can't even act like, oh my God, they're so amazing, because <clears throat> not a clue. Mm. But Ahmad Diallo slash Traore will, will join from Atalanta in January because of work permit issues. 
I, I don't know. All the journos are like, oh my god, he's great. Like Fabrizio Romano is like, oh, he's like a proper, really good player. I can't comment because I've not seen him play and I'm not watching YouTube compilations of a kid with three Serie A appearances. <laughs> but I hope he plays more in the like in the eight weeks between now and then. Yeah, yeah. And Palestri, not a clue. <laughs> I know whose manager was Diego Forlan up until a month ago. And he's really Diego Forlan, just, just remembering his 35-yard shots. The top comes off when he scores against Liverpool. Palestri is apparently really highly rated in Uruguay. Again, not a clue. But that one to me, I'm getting flashbacks to Angelo Henrique when we signed him from Universidad de Chile. <laughs> and the look on your face, exactly. Who the hell is that? It, pretty much, yeah. Pretty the much. The most memorable thing he did for us was going on loan to Wigan. Nice. That, doesn't it? But I don't want to talk all about United because uh, we've said it all the way throughout the window. The window was a travesty. Quickly, before we move on to Bayern, Davy Klaassen, back to Ajax. I was actually going to stay in the Premier League for a couple more oh, sorry. small ones. We'll get to Davy Klaassen in a minute. I think it's hard to ignore uh, the fact that Arsenal actually did something in the transfer window. I mean, and oh, yeah. even more so that they loosened the purse strings and paid fifty million for Thomas Party. I mean, I, I love to say Thomas Party just because you know of the name. No, it's Thomas a- Partey, people. I know. I know it's not Thomas Party. They they had a field day on Sky. They all thought that was so funny. Oh, unbelievable. It's party I mean, time at the Emirates. It's like, <laughs> you've used it once. Uh, every time you saw it, you were just like, come on. It's I did overdone like, now. I did like Arsenal's announcement on the hashtag no Thomas, no party. Oh, it, uh, yeah, actually though. Apparently Diego Simeone is fuming because he, must... he was planning with Thomas Partey in his, um, in his, being in his squad. I mean, he's an, he's an Atletico youth player I think that's the issue with Spain though because in Spain if they've got release clauses you don't have to negotiate with the club exactly as long as you get the player to negotiate or the player to sign on you just have to tell the club by the way here's 50 mil shut up and have a nice day exactly you can send lawyers to La Liga offices and go they go there's Mm -hmm. the 45 mil release clause and then Thomas Partey is free to you essentially dissolve the contract yeah. By the so way, just for clarification, that's 45 million pounds, 50 million euros. Yeah, sorry. It's not both of us not being able to agree on a figure. It's one of us is quoting the pounds and one of us is going to be quoting the euros just for future reference. Public service announcement over. Yeah. But much. It's similar to how, we, how United signed Ander Herrera. He essentially paid his own contract up and then yeah, we yeah. reimbursed him the... 20 odd million euros. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's a massive signing for Arsenal. I mean, considering the fact that Arsenal thought they were going to get Kai Havertz, Thomas Partey, and Hassam Awar. Hassam Awar, that was the last one, all for their midfield. I think they've fallen a little bit short of expectations, but I think it's unlike Arsenal, who have been very tight when or, or where money is concerned. Um, in the transfer window during the last couple of seasons. For them to go on deadline day, it's, it almost se- seemed like an impulse uh, buy. 
I mean, it probably wasn't. They've probably they've definitely made some had some thoughts about this, but it looked like an impulse buy, and then for Arsenal to put down fifty million, I think is pretty unbelievable for that club. Yeah, for Arsenal, like it's ridiculous. Stan Kroenke is as tight as a duck's ass, <laughs> but there, there must be some scout. So there must have been some scouting done by Arsenal because he's linked with Arsenal every summer for the past like five years. Oh yeah, yeah. But it begs to ask the question: as good as a as a signing as it is, and it will make Arsenal's midfield better. It'll plug it, some holes. Yeah, is it an Arteta signing or is it a board Ooh. signing? Now that's a big one because I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he does not fit Arteta's, you know, exact style of play, does he? No, he's a very uh, he's, he's a, a very robust. solid holding midfielder, like a exactly. He's he's a, he's a robust midfielder who's there to basically you know he he's he's more of a warrior type um, going towards almost a Arturo Vidal uh, type midfielder rather than someone who is technically unreal on the ball, which I think is Mikel Arteta's main focus is having technically good players to be able to move the ball around and hopefully make Arsenal into a side that can pop a team just through their passing. Yeah, and obviously he's from the Guardiola School of Management. Yeah, Tiki Taka's going to be written all over his playbook. Man City, but Pep Guardiola had Fernandinho. And he yeah, there's a small difference. Yeah, I know, but he wasn't a light touch, quick one-twos type player. True, true. He is that holding midfielder, not necessarily an enforcer, but no matter if he fits style of play or not, he's better than Granit Xhaka. Yeah, but didn't we both say that Arsenal had massive problems in their centre midfield and they needed someone to plug holes in that central midfield because their attack was decent enough? Their defensive line uh, is getting there. It's getting there. But they were really in need of someone in that central midfield role, possibly center defensive midfield role, to basically get those two attacking and defensive forward forces, you know, merging and one, and becoming one cohesive unit. And I think that was the main thought when they signed Partey. Yeah, I it's a difficult one because as big as a club as Arsenal think they are, they don't spend horrendous amounts of money like everyone else does. And possibly without signing party, maybe someone at the club realised, okay, this season's not going to be like any other season. Yeah. This is the probably the best opportunity they've got to go for something, if that makes any sense. I'm not saying they're going to challenge for the league, but you look at Everton, unbeaten. Spurs yeah. look good. Liverpool look shaky at the back, which I didn't think we'd say ever the last season. Man City <laughs> don't look good. Which Especially I also didn't think. Chelsea we... United are nowhere near it. So why not? If Arsenal, yeah. okay, well, we've plugged these midfield holes. It'd probably be a change of shape because he won't play. I can't see him playing Thomas Partey and Danny Ceballos in the middle of a midfield four. No. Probably be... I'd say the probably moves to a 4-3-3 at that point. Or a three, three five two maybe. True. Arsenal do have the capabilities of the players at least to play a three at the back or a five at the back. But one more 
thing before we move on to another club who are, I'd say, a bigger club than Arsenal and still manage to spend less. Um, Gwendozi sees Partey coming in and dips immediately. <laughs> I think he's been out that door ever since the Brighton game. Yeah. When he tried uh, to goad Neil Mope and say, oh, well, I own more than you. Like, and he doesn't. <laughs> and he doesn't. But it's been sort of been that Arsenal problem child. He cuts, he cuts to him sat on the bench and he just looks distant, like he wasn't bothered. Yeah. And, yeah, w- weird body language. And to be brutally honest, was he really that good? No. He had some good flashes, put it that way. But was he f- a fully, you know, formed player who could then bring something to that Arsenal team in the best league in the world? No. Mm. Not really. The best Mario, Mario, Matteo Genduzzi moment was when Marouane Mario Fellaini pulled his hair back. <laughs> Literally just grabbed him by the bottom of the hair and just went, yank. I mean, it's a little bit rich of Fellaini to be pulling anyone's hair because I'm sorry, but that man has more hair on his head than the... Fr- than... I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for this. Yeah, Can't but even that, that was up in a glorious afro. Game I know, but hair goes everywhere. I, I remember everyone couldn't keep Gendozi and David Luiz apart because of their hairstyles. It's pretty much the same, isn't it? Yeah, it's like father like son. <laughs> but I mean, I think uh, he's definitely got a better atmosphere. He's got a better club to maybe you know, get to his potential or perform to his full potential in Hertha Berlin. Because they're a club who are looking to be on the up and up and are signing big players. Or I mean, I think for Berlin, that's a big money or it's a big name move because they're buying now, or they're at least, I mean, he's on loan. But they're signing players from top six Premier League teams, which previously they've never done. It'll be interesting because obviously there's that there's an established order in Germany. Yeah, which Berlin are trying to break into. Which very much like there is in England, there's an established top six. And I think, again, this season will be the best season for anyone to go, hang on, why can't I do that? You look at Everton in the Premier League. I was about to say, Everton and Berlin seem to be pretty much, uh, I think you could probably see parallels between those teams the most and uh if you compared any two teams um within Bundesliga and Premier League obviously Berlin have had have not had the sensational start that Everton had but both teams were you know that midfield uh te- those midfield teams that you know have had glory days in the past not too many of them but some and have always been you know on the cusp of breaking into maybe the Europa League or something like that and are you know waiting for a good manager and a good squad. And I'd say Everton are a little bit further down the line where that's concerned. Cause obviously that team right now is unbelievable. Um, and Berlin's still kind of finding themselves, but you know, if anything's, if you can set store by anything, it's Berlin's performance against Bayern. It took Bayern a 90 plus three minute penalty to beat Berlin. And I mean, Berlin popped Bayern's defense for their, for their second goal. I mean, they, the way they combine through there, unbelievable. Yeah, I think there's a belief in 
I don't want to say smaller teams, but teams that normally finish lower down the league, like in in the in that midfield, to go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you look at what everyone's doing. Like, I think the minute you lost four one to Hoffenheim, a lot of teams in the Bundesliga went, "Oh, hang on." Maybe we won't capitulate to Bayern when we're two 0 down, and then go for a damage control, which I'd say has been ninety percent of the Bundesliga's mentality when it when they go up against Bayern, which is why the Bundesliga hasn't been as fun to watch. It's yeah, great it's, to watch. It's great to watch when Bayern don't play, you know, don't play the smaller teams, um, which is kind of sad to say. But I think, for lack of a better word, most teams just don't have the balls to try and try and do something against Bayern. And that's what I'm actually a little bit almost proud to see Hoffenheim beating us for one because they showed everyone go in there with a tactical plan and just some balls to try something, you might actually get something out of it. Granted, you need to, you need to get Bayern on the back foot and maybe it takes you know, them being tired as all hell. But I think the only thing that did was you know, make the scoreline as high as it was. I still think Hoffenheim might have won that game um, if Bayern hadn't played 120 minutes the week before. Might have only been 1-0, but Hoffenheim might have still won it. I think there's definitely that sense of, come on then, lads, let's give the fans uh, some damage control. Let's not get abs. Let's not get absolutely battered here. Mm. But this is a transfer episode. Ooh, we've we've gotten a little bit off topic here. Davy Clarson, I mentioned him earlier. I think it's a, it's definitely a loss for Bremen because that team was struggling, and he was, you know also their captain, and he, perfor- he provided some stability and there was a lot of hype when he came to blame a couple of years ago. I was going to say, it never really worked out for him at Everton. Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of hype around, oh, it's another player from the Ajax Academy. Exactly. Yeah. And he did well at Ajax as well. He, and he really was part well of the team. And it was He's, sort he was of, part that... of the team. He was part of that Europa League final team, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the, the only old player there. <laughs> yeah, he was sort of like the old guard. In that team, I mean, and it, I think he was he was like late twenties at that point. <laughs> yeah, the, the old guard, like twenty seven. <laughs> yeah. But it never worked for Everton. I don't know why, but he seemed to settling really well at Werder Bremen, which is why I'm surprised that he leaves. But if you spent all your life at a club, through the academy, rose up through the ranks, left, and now are towards the back end of your career, would you not want to move back to that? especially when you have the chance to maybe win the Dutch league title. Whereas with Brim, you've got the mental, how do you best say this? The, me- the mental, you know, the mental weight that it's a club that have very, very big problems when it comes to getting out of the bottom of the table the last couple of years. I mean, they yeah, so barely avoided like, relegation. Yeah. It's almost time. like leaving a sinking ship. Yeah. And he was a captain as well. So I mean, it does well for Bremen in the sense that they get up, they can get up to 14 million out of this deal, which is badly needed money where Bremen's concerned. That's probably, you talk about wanting to go back to, I think this is more financially motivated Motivated. than anything. Yeah. Which is sad because a team in the top flight in Germany shouldn't be like, we need money. We kind of need to sell our captain to raise money to survive. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the that's the that's one of the biggest disparities between the Premier League and the Bundesliga at the minute is that there is just 
that much more money in the Premier League than there is in the Bundesliga. I mean, obviously, we're going to, I'm just going to finish off this last thought before we get back to the transfers, but the disparity is so big. I mean, if you look at the contracts, the Premier League had almost half, half a billion more in TV rights money over three years than the Bundesliga had over four. So it is one of those things. I think it'll be interesting to see because a lot of Premier League clubs are starting to look at what's going on down in our football league, like championship and below and be like, okay, maybe we do need to, maybe there needs to be some sort of uh, care package or safety package. Redistribution. Yeah. Redistribution. There we go. Yeah. There needs to be a, because at the moment it just trickles down. Which is fair because the broadcasters aren't paying for the championship, League One, League Two. Yeah. And fans down there are more important than they are in the Premier League, which is why there's a petition going around at the moment for them to let fans in. Because at the moment, Bojo the orangutan's gone, oh, well, you can go to cinemas and go to the cinemas and help the cinemas. But I can't sit in a football stadium which is normally thousands of seats I can't distance in a football stadium. They've done it in rugby. They've done it in the Bundesliga. Exactly. Harlequins had 1,500 people at Twickenham Stoop a few weeks back. Yeah, exactly. They they had the app sorted, everyone track and trace, and everyone was like, you order your drink from your seat and people brought it to you. So you went up and walking around the concourse, things like that. It's doable. It's being done and it's being done well. And I think when that happens, even if it's like 1,500, 2,000 people. Yeah, I mean, you think, think about it. Dortmund have 10,000 right now, which compared to their normal 83, or no, sorry, 81,000 is a cinch. But, you know, it's still something. Yeah, and even that amount of money to someone like Charlton Athletic or Peterborough. It's unreal, yeah. It's more valuable than signing a 20-goal-a-season striker. Yeah. But enough of that. We have one last big, big news story, and that is Bayern's last minute frenzy, where I've been slagging off uh, Zalihamacic the whole transfer window because he started off so well with Sane and then just didn't produce anything. And then on deadline day, I think we've signed the most amount of players we've ever signed in the last 24 hours of the transfer window. We signed four people. Which is, and, and they're not just anyone. I'm not going to lie. It, they, it doesn't sound like much, but I'll take it because Eric Maxim Chupamuting, he'll put in his eight, nine goals this season. He'll put in a shift. He'll back up Lewandowski when needed. I think he's a good signing. And especially because you're getting him on a free because his contract ran out at P, uh, PSG. What more do you want from him? What about the development of Xerxes? That's the only issue I think I can take with that signing is Tsukti will now get less playing time. The one problem is that he it, he just did show again when we did play Hoffenheim. He's not quite there to the point where you can say, I can throw in a uh, Tsukti and he'll back up Lewandowski enough so that you know we can hold over one game and maybe he'll score one. He just didn't show that he was quite there yet. He showed flashes last season, but uh, it's still not quite there. And I think, it, I mean, 
Chupamuting only signed a one-year contract, so it's not like he's staying here for for a long time. Exactly, and uh, there you were earlier on in the season trying to compare that kid to my man Mason. Just saying, I I, I did think that at the at that point in time they were both on the rise, but it goes to show that Mason Greenwood actually got you know he got playing time and yeah, I definitely. It's more I, of a I, playing time thing than a <laughs> than a tap because I I would argue that they were both equally talented when they came, when they made their first team debuts, but Mason Greenwood just got way more playing time and is now as a result developed so much further. And at this point, obviously, yes, he is definitely a few years ahead of Tukti in that sense. He's definitely better. Can we talk about that man's agent quickly? Because he got relegated Trust. to Stoke and his manager managed to finesse him a move to PSG. Best manager in football. <laughs> and then it's, okay, well, PSG clearly didn't think he was good enough for another contract. I know. I'll get you a move to the European champions. You love to see it, don't you? I mean, so this guy... but then didn't he play for Schalke as well? He's played for, that's the greatest thing. He's played for Mainz. He's played for Schalke. Stoke, PSG, and now Bayern. It's not a bad career at all. You're going to think he was like Pele or something. Trust. And I mean, he hasn't. It, he scored in the Champions League for PSG. It's not like he just was sitting on the bench there. He actually did some decent stuff for PSG in the Champions League. Well, was it the game again? It was the game against Leipzig. He came on, and I said to I said to my mate, "It's like I oh, just he's going to score. He's it's just going to happen because everyone Exit. was like." Why have they brought him on? It's like, no, he's going to score. And who scored? Eric Maxson promoting. Big man. You've I also mean, brought back. Oh, rainbow flick, I Douglas Costa. I wouldn't say. Would you say he was a popular player? <laughs> he was popular. He made an unreal impact during his, the first half of his first season at Bayern, which was everyone thought Bayern now had done had done the business and signed the replacements for Robben and Ribéry when they did finally manage or they did finally hang their boots up. Because everyone was like, I, Kingsley Kuman, Douglas Costa, that's the new Bayern wing attacking duo. That's it. We've got it. We've sorted ourselves out. It's fine. He played unreal for, for, for the first half of the season and then kind of his form just went down, which is why he left two years after signing. Sad to see, but I think at this point for depth, he's definitely good enough. Because if you can say I can bring on King, my B team solution for the wings is Kingsley Coman and Douglas Costa, you literally are just sitting. You know, you you're letting it hang all out. Like you just are. You just said to to most of Europe, like yeah, balls on this. I'm gonna say it's it's an upgrade on. Ivan Perisic in the sense that it's more of a flair type player. But is he better than Ivan Perisic as a whole? I'd still think I'd rather take Ivan Perisic if we had had the option or if our board just wasn't so tight when it came to money spending. Because they're paying... To see if he plays it into this season. The thing that gets me also is that they apparently said the whole package of uh, Perisic was too much at 20 million by... uh, 20 million fee plus around 11 million... Um, 
uh, annual salary. And now they've just decided that they're going to take over Douglas Costa's full uh, salary from Juve, which is incidentally also 11 million euros. Yeah, but they've not had to pay 20 million for the privilege. Yeah, but 20 million, how much is that? He's only just won the Champions League. Exactly. 20 million where Pirzic, I'd argue, had a definite hand in uh, Bayern winning the Champions League. Yeah, but let's be honest. Douglas Costa's not going to get a lot of game time because when He's just, Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané are fit, they start every... That front, that front three picks itself. Obviously, obviously, he's been brought in for the depth, but still, I'd say he definitely has some chances of game time because of the amount of midweek games that Bayern have. So he's definitely not just going like, to... I'd be very surprised if Lewandowski, Knabli, and... Uh, Sane play, you know, more than thirty games a season, just because of the fully packed schedule. I was going to say it's going to be weird because when I looked at the, was it the Hoffenheim game that you didn't start? You didn't start Lewandowski at the Hoffenheim game. Yeah, that was actually a surprise. I, if and anyone like, doesn't start, oh god, um, that must of, say something. Yeah, yeah, that's saying something. This season, it's going to be a, a weird one. And the amount of stuff that happened in the window. Okay, but it's worth remembering that in eight weeks, we get to do it all again. I was about to say, I should have started this, ge- started this whole episode off with Billy will be mentally sane for eight weeks. It's not healthy, it really. But luckily, January is only one month. I was about to say, it's not two and a half. And I'm like permanently drained in January after Christmas anyway, so... But Bayern still also managed to sign Bonassar, which I'm not going to lie, I didn't have him on my radar whatsoever. Yeah, he's played five years for Olympic Marseille, but I didn't really know much, all too much about him. No, I'll be honest. I, I'll be he's honest, I've never heard of him. Yeah, he's a depth player. Exactly. It's going to be someone to... In case Back up Pavard. Pavard gets injured, or like you say, for those... Deutsche Pockel games against... I don't know, Zandhausen. <laughs> yeah. name, a, name a lower league, Ingolstadt away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing, the thing that gets me about that transfer is that Chris Richards from Bayern's academy did quite well, I thought, against Berlin. And now he's got a 20-something established player who is going to be sat in front of him and is going to take all his game time. And I think that one gets me more than Silkze because Chris Richards actually has done quite well. And he deserves that chance. But That's is, the only criticism is the I have thinking, that. Is the thinking not Chris, is the thinking Chris Richards probably isn't ready for regular Bundesliga maybe. games? He's not so, ready to maybe be thrown into the cold water that much. Let's be honest. Say Benjamin Pavard picks up, say he does his ACL on international duty with France. That's his season done. <laughs> That's his season done. And would Hansi Flick be comfortable putting Chris Richards in? I mean, if he were forced to, I think he probably would do it. It's just the fact that, you know, that's a big... It, it'd be something big to happen. But then again, Frank Lampard still managed to do more or less the same with a very young Chelsea squad last year, given the pressure on Chelsea is not to win the title every year. And or basically challenged for three titles every year. So, but it probably is this season. Yeah, given I'd the still say. Spent. Yeah, exactly. What one last one before we. 
what sorry, what about that young English winger that you've got? Uh winger, he can play all over the or place forward, though. Sorry. Jamal Musiala, he's 17, plays for England's under 21s. He's done quite well and um he's going to get a lot of game time as well because he's basically now our backup option for the number 10 spot behind Thomas Müller. So but okay, one so guy Douglas yeah. Costa signing doesn't really affect him all too much. No. No. He's more of a central player. One last one before we wrap up. Mark Rocca, we were in for him uh last summer and I think, as you said already last episode, we got him for half the money that we were going to pay last summer. Do you know what annoyed me about that, though? What? We recorded that episode, and we talked about you potentially signing Mark Rocker. Finished recording, sent it off. 20 minutes later, you signed him and announced him. I was like, could you not have done that half an hour (laughs) earlier? Just so we could have said uh, mid-episode. A bit of breaking news mid-episode. Oh, that would have been great, wouldn't it? But that's the thing. It was it was midnight in Germany when that post went out. Yeah, true. What a bizarre time to announce a transfer when 90% of your fan base are in bed. Don't ask. I think it was a little bit of a panic by pressure to announce that one as quickly as possible to, you know, shut everyone up. <laughs> Not going to lie. Hey, look, everyone, we are signing depth players. Please don't slag us off in the media. I mean, to be fair to Bayern, they now have signed enough players or they signed a good amount of players to have the depth to cope with the tight schedule this season. So I guess I can't be too harsh. But it did take them a solid amount of time to do so. That's the thing. Depth is a weird one because you've got to find players that are good enough to play in that side but are also going to go, yeah, I don't mind sitting on the bench 80% of the season. I'll play the cup games away on a Wednesday that no one wants to go to. That's the, yeah, that's the one problem when you are, you know, that top side, like any top side, really like a top six Premier League side or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid, you have to have players who are comfortable sitting in that position. You know, obviously the money helps, but they have, you have to have com- players comfortable who are, or comfortable sitting at a position where they don't get a lot of game time and might still be, you know, so good that they could walk into any other team if they weren't, you know, challenging for the Champions League. Exactly. Well, we've spoken a lot about transfers and you lucky people are getting a bonus episode this week. Exactly. And, and I mean, seeing as we're not going to have any, a lot of transfer news the next few weeks, or I'd say eight weeks, and we do have an international break, we kind of owed you one anyway. Yeah, people miss us moaning about transfers. Those eight weeks are going to be, oh, bring back transfer news. We need to hear Billy get completely downtrodden about how Sancho hasn't signed. Oh, it's fine. I'm not too bad with the January transfer window because we never sign anyone in January anyway. I think any signing in January is also just something where that's done more out of uh, panic. panic than anything else because, you know, most signings in January don't bring the necessary punch, at no, least in recent yeah. years. It's sort of like, a, oh, well, that's not going too well. So I'll sign this player to sort of paper over that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's been transfer. It's been a transfer frenzy, really. We'll, we'll definitely have another deadline day uh, episode special for you in January. But until then, this has been it for transfers. One last thing on transfers. We didn't have a uh, 
Mino trans- transfer roller coaster. <laughs> there was none of that this window. I was like, oh my god, maybe he's calmed down. He's tr- stopped trying to make Paul Pogba leave, or he just has, or he just has more money than he knows how to spend. Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. We're sitting here, you know, pumping money into this, and then uh, he's got more money than he needs to spend. But on that note, we shall be back after the international break. So it means no real episode next week. I'm sorry, but international football is just not something that is so fun to comment on. Scratch that. We should, we're, we're journalists. We should be professional about this. But seeing as this is a channel for the Premier League and Bundesliga primarily, we will not have an episode next week for you guys. We'll be back the week after. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.